might be the most crippling emotion you and I will ever experience. Fear keeps us from stepping out in faith. Fear causes us to live on the edges of life instead of the center where God is working. Fear cripples our courage. It turns strong men and women into cowards. It causes people to run and hide instead of holding their ground. It's rooted in lies from the enemy. All of us have some area in our lives where fear demobilizes us. All of us have areas in our lives where we walk through fear. Yet there's always an area that you and I will battle for the rest of our lives. Something else will come up where we have to battle this emotion of fear to overcome, to become all that we should be. One of the values that my mom and stepfather poured into me as a young boy was courage, be courageous, Jim. And she constantly would encourage me as a young boy to be courageous and and my siblings to be courageous, to step through your fear. One of the values that my mom and stepfather instilled into me as a young boy was, if someone else could do it, why not you? If that's a human being that's modeled or built like you are, that has the same characteristics that you have, if they can do it, then why can't you do it? So I grew up with a house of a mom and a stepfather that constantly poured courage into us. Like, you can do it in the strength of the Lord. So there are very few things that, as I walk through life, that I didn't think first that it was possible. Now, there was a challenge still to actually do it. And many of you have heard the mantra that my mom would encourage us to, to sing and shout as we traveled in our, in our country Squire Ford station wagons with the two seats in the back and facing each other. And as we would drive down the road, this mantra, we would shout. Obviously, my parents had a different last name than I did Anderson, and the siblings had Brown. And so during that time, 40 years ago, it wasn't as common to have divorced families. And, and so my mom would taught us this chant, and our, my, my siblings, we would scream at the top of our lungs, rain, hail, lightning, thunder, the Browns and the Andersons will never go under. Never, never, never. And we would shout that from the top of our lungs in the back of the car, and we would, we would rattle, and all of a sudden it became part of our DNA. Rain, hail, lightning, thunder, the Browns and the Andersons will never go under. Never, never, never. Now that explains a lot, doesn't it? But it was a mantra that my mom and my stepfather believed dearly, that with Christ, you could do anything. With Christ, if that was what he was calling you to do, then go do it in the name of the Lord. So one of the values that Ann and I have as parents of our children, Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah, is is to raise courageous children, to raise courageous, bold children that don't just trust in us, but trust in their God. We don't want to be helicopter parents that when our children look like we're always in the picture, I'll be okay because mom's there. I'll be okay because dad's there. We want them to be okay because God is there. And so we have tried to raise our children in such a way when they leave us and they're no longer dependent on us and they reach out in independence, their dependence is on God because it's been on God throughout their whole life. By the way, that doesn't always happen in in the world that we live in. Um, We raise children who know that we care, but they don't know how to depend on God. So along the way, you have opportunities to encourage your kids to be bold and courageous. And when Hannah was about four years old, she was in the backyard playing with her friends. Our house was a gathering place where kids came, and we did all kinds of things. Our house was the, the place where the neighborhoods would play, kids would play. So I was downstairs in the basement, and Hannah was roughly four years old, and and I, I just recall hearing my daughter's voice. And as a parent, you hear your child screaming. You try to go find them. And in any case, uh, I heard the door come busting open. And I heard this pitter-patter on the floor. And I heard Hannah yelling, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And so immediately, I do what any father would do. I began to work my way to the top of the steps. And Hannah was at the top of the steps working her way down. And obviously, she was frazzled. She was scared. Something was taking place. And, and so... Hannah shouts out, she's, Dad, there's a dog in the backyard, and it's big, and Dad, I'm afraid, and Dad, 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 I don't want to play because this dog is mean. And so, you know, as any father would do, it tries to instill the values of don't be afraid, don't be fearful. I said, Hannah, it's okay. It's just a dog. You don't need to be afraid of dogs. Be fearful of dogs. Step through your fear. No, Daddy, it's a big dog. 
All right, all right. So I worked my way up. I wanted to model courage and boldness in front of her. And so I got to the top of the steps, worked my way up. And, and I, as I opened the back door, I said, come on. And, no, I'm not coming, Daddy. And so I watched Hannah. She worked her way over to the, the, the outside window. And I could see her. She was peering through the inside of the house, looking out. She was watching me. And so I was going to be the bold and courageous dad. So I walk out in the yard. And I'm, honey, now watch. And she was at the door. And I was like, you know, watch me. Got you covered, you know. Walked out in the yard. And took about six steps out in the yard. And I saw this dog off to my right. And it looked like a dog from hell. I mean, it just, it just did. And I was thinking, Jim, model this in front of her. Be bold. Be courageous. God is with you wherever you go. So those thoughts are running through my mind. I'm looking at this dog that's just, you know, teeth are like this. And, and, and so I did what any dad would do to model courage and boldness in front of my daughter. I looked at the dog and I said, get out of here. Get, get out of here. Get, get. Hannah's watching. And I'm, get out of here. That dog just looked at me and just began to growl. Hair stood up on its back, straight up, and it began to work its way towards me. I had a decision to make, be bold or courageous or run back in the house wasn't a very proud moment for this father. I turned around and ran right back in the house. <laughs> we have to overcome our fears, and sometimes we have to use wisdom. <laughs> we all have fears that we will want to overcome. In fact, the top 10 human fears that people face are, let's just listen to these. And as I say them, which, where do you say, yep, yep, yep. The fear of failure. The fear of death, the fear of rejection, the fear of ridicule, the fear of loneliness, the fear of misery, the fear of disappointment, the fear of pain, the fear of the unknown, the fear of losing your freedom. That's the top 10 in order of the fears, general fears that we face. Gallup poll put a list together of specific fears that we're afraid of. I mean, top one to ten, here they are. How many of these would you say? Just count them as you go and we'll ask you. Things that we're afraid of, fearful of. Snakes. How many can raise your hand on that one? Public speaking. Believe it or not, that was one of my primary fears as a a young boy and uh, freshman in college, sophomore in college. It's like... And I don't want to stand up in front of people and have to speak. Now, I can talk to you quietly one-on-one, and I can lead as a basketball player and a baseball player, and I can lead in other areas. But to put me in front of a group of people, no way, God, I'll, I'll never do that one. Well, God had different plans for me. The fear of heights. The fear of being closed in a small place. The fear of spiders. Have you ever seen people come unglued because of a spider? The fear of needles and getting shots. The fear of mice. Have you ever seen grown men scream when a mice has run into a room? (laughs) Have you ever been that grown man? (laughs) The fear of flying on an airplane. The fear of dogs from hell. (laughs) The fear of thunder and lightning. The fear of going to the doctor. The fear of the dark. That emotion, this emotion that we have pictured here can cripple us and keep us from being all that God wants us to be. Fear paralyzes us. Do you realize that in the Bible, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, collective in the 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, do you realize in those 66 books that the phrase, do not fear, do not be afraid of them, and fear not appears over 100 times? Why do you think? Because God knew that we would allow that emotion to control us. And we need to be reminded, do not fear. Fear keeps us from giving God the chance to provide for us. Fear keeps us from asking someone out on a date. Fear keeps us from changing jobs. Fear keeps us from going on a missions trip. Fear keeps us from going back to school. Fear keeps us paralyzed all week long wondering what we're going to do with that report we just received from the doctor. Fear can cripple us. The Bible gives credence to what we should do with fear. 
Turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and let me show you what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 11. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in. Hebrews chapter 11 is the great hall of faith. It's where men and women are mentioned in a hall of fame kind of passage of having incredible faith. And we're going to point out one person today that I think really understood what it meant to walk through fear. But look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read verses 23 to 29. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. This is our gift from you to you from Grace Community Church. Stand with me and we'll read this together. Read it in your Bible or in one of your mobile devices. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read 23 to 29. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born. Because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Let me have a seat. We see a man that's known for his faith. And as I said before, Hebrews chapter 11 is a passage of Scripture. It's kind of the Hall of Fame passage for faith. It's where there's instances in in the Bible where men and women stepped out in faith instead of fear and did what God wanted them to do. Fear trumps, or faith trumps fear. So we have a picture of Moses and all that he did and how he stepped out and Faith to trump his fear. Let me show you an account of Moses and why he was put into this this passage in Hebrews 11. Turn back to the Old Testament and go to the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the next book is Deuteronomy. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 31. It's a story of Moses. And he's about to pass the torch on to Joshua. He's close to dying. He's 120 years old. He's standing with the people who are left over and ready to enter the promised land. The majority of the people he left with, if not all of them, have died because of their complaining, doubting, and not trusting God. So he has this remnant, this ancestors, these these sons and daughters, these these children uh, that had grandparents and parents that started out. And now all that's left is this new group. And so he's trying to pour courage into them. He's trying to tell them, don't be like your mom and dad. Don't be like your grandma and grandpa. Don't be like Uncle Bill. Don't be like Aunt Sue. Listen to me. Be strong and courageous. We're about to go into this promised land. I want you to do something for me if you're a note taker and you you like to mark your Bible up. And if you have a mobile device, you can just highlight it. As we read 31, I'll read it. You can follow along and then you can mark. I want you to underline every time you see the, the phrase, he will or you will or the Lord will. He will, you will or the Lord will, in verses 1 through 6. I'll read, watch. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will, underline, destroy these nations before you. And... You will. Every time I say that, Ann says, you always sound like wheel, wheels and tires. Just say will, Jim. I say that's, that's southern twang, wheel. Okay. And you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them All that I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord goes with you. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. Look how many times you see that phrase. Just look back. You see it in verse 3. He will. You see it again. You will. Look at verse 4. The Lord will. Verse 5. The Lord will. In verse 6. He will. Why do you think that appears over and over as Moses is standing? He needed to remind these people who have spent 40 years wandering through the desert, or their ancestors had mom and dads, many of them. And so there was this spirit of fear that had been passed down to them, the spirit of doubt, the spirit that God can't do it. Even though all these miraculous things had happened, still this group that was there had been passed down this and modeled in front of them doubt, worry, fear. And so Moses is standing before this large group and he says, now listen to me. He will come through. He will be with you. He will do what he said he will do. And he says it over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because we need to be reminded that God will do what he said he will do. And when you get that down, fear just flees from you because you know that God is with you. You see, God's answer to fear is not a formula or an argument, but a person. You see, once you get that one down, God's answer to fear is not a formula or an argument, but a person. So God reminds him through Moses, it's like, you know, you don't need to do this, and you don't need to do that. It doesn't mean that A plus B, since A is true and B is true, then A plus B equals C. You don't have to have a logic syllogism. You don't have to have, have a, a, a math formula. Just know, here it is. Here's the answer to your fear. Know that God is with you in person. So wherever you go, Moses is saying, be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. All the doubters and complainers are gone by now. They've wandered in the wilderness. And they're about ready to cross again into the promised land. Moses doesn't get to go with them. But he's passing on this courage. In other words, I will, God will be with you. Don't fear. Rain, hail, lightning, thunder, the Browns and the Andersons will never go under. Never, 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 because God is with you. God is not going to conquer your fears by shouting louder or showing you off his power, but by getting closer to you. The greatest way to overcome fear is to recognize that God is close by. It's like, he doesn't need to scream it, I'm here! He's already there. We just need to recognize that God is with me wherever I go. There he is. And when you rise out of bed in the morning and know that you're not by yourself, that is an incredible, courageous thought that will change the outcome of your day. He says to his people, be strong, be courageous. You might think it'd be too difficult when you get to the promised land like your parents did. But I want you to know that I am the great I am. The issue is this. Do we believe that God is what he says he is, can do what he said he could do, and is where he says he is? Do you believe that God is with you? It's a control issue. You either believe that God's in control or he's not in control. He is, by the way, God is never early and he's never late. He's always right on time. God always operates on his schedule. His one-time arrival schedule is perfect, never early, never late. He never forgets, and he's always on time. Moses was trying to push this group of people forward. And he had spent a third of his life trying to get these complaining, doubting people to know that God was with them. And we know that faith trumps fear. And faith grows by believing Otherwise, it will lay dormant in our lives. Fear distorts perception. Think about that for a second. You have something to do. I need to have a hard conversation with someone. And by the way, I face that same battle that you face. It doesn't mean that I don't have to overcome fear. 
Many times in my life, when I think of these conversations, for instance, I have to have a conversation with somebody, I think, it'd be real easy for me to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that because they might respond this way, and, 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 and they might run, or they might do this. And so I have to battle too regularly say, I'm going to do this because this is what you called me to do. Fear keeps us from sharing our faith with others. Boy, I wonder what they'll think. I wonder if they won't like me. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Instead of being obedient like God has called us to, we let fear pull us away. Fear demobilizes us. I can think of some early days at Grace Community Church. I remember some of the early days. I remember one Sunday specifically, it, it sticks out, and, and it, it was kind of like a, a turning point for, for Ann and I and for the early days of, of Grace. And it was a Sunday morning, and we were leaving the church, and, and uh, Hannah was small, and we were checking her out of, of the nursery and walked into the nursery. And, and one of the people that were working in the nursery pulled us in and said, hey, Pastor Jim, come here a second. It's okay, and walked over. And, and so this dear person who loves Jesus dearly looked me in the eyes and said these words that I'll never forget. Pastor Jim, we gotta go back to the way we were because if we keep moving in the direction that we're moving in, that your leaders believe we should move in, then this family is leaving. That family is leaving. We got to go back to the way we were, Pastor Jim, because two more families just left the church. And by the way, that wasn't easy information for me to receive on many levels. Easily I have to check, am I doing this? Are we as leaders and elders leading in a good direction? And I remember on the way home that Sunday, I'll never forget it. Ann and I are in the vehicle and we're driving home. Josh and Hannah are in the back and because she was there too. And I looked over to my right, my wife, just tears running down her face. I remember me sitting and talking to my wife and I said, honey, there will be pain along the way and there will be tears. And through tears, I, I, I looked at her. I said, we know this is what God wants us to do. I said, leaders are behind it. And through tears looking at her, I said, if we go back, then what we're doing is we are letting fear keep us from walking in faith. And then these words that I believe the Spirit brought in that moment that I still try to keep in mind, even for me as I lead grace. I remember saying this. She said these words. She said, Jim, sometimes I wonder if, if we're taking the church away from them. I remember this, the Spirit of God speaking in that moment. I, could, I almost audibly could hear, and I said to my wife, Ann, I said, it's not their church, it's God's church. Now, that's difficult. <laughs> it was a really, really hard time. But let me tell you what happened out of that. Some of the dearest people that week, unbeknownst to that conversation, God used them in the ministry of our lives in a way. We received more encouragement that week from people who were sensitive to the Spirit of God than ever, ever in the ministry of Grace Community. And why? Because we chose to walk through that fear and we chose to step out in faith. And when we got to the other side of that fear, even though it was difficult, God provided what we needed at that very moment to keep us pressing forward. We could have believed some lies. Second Timothy 1.7 reminds us of this. For the, God did not give us the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power of love and a sound mind or self-discipline. So let me ask you a question. If God gave you and me if God gave us power, love, self-discipline, and a sound mind. If that's what Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, he says, Timothy, I want to let you know, this is what God gives his people. Power, love, sound mind, self-control. And he didn't give us timidity or fear. Then who did give us that? See, here's a question you have to really answer. Am I allowing the voice of Satan who loves to give us fear rule my life? The minute that you and I don't press forward because of fear in our lives, what we're saying is this. I choose to follow the words of Satan beside, instead of the words of God. Because God didn't give us that fear and timidity. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. And the reason that most of us are dominated by fear is not because you don't have any faith, but you are not feeding that faith. 
feed your faith and you'll overcome your fear. Think about that. How do you grow muscles? You grow muscles by building them. You grow muscles by feeding them. You grow muscles by giving protein. How do you grow plants? You grow plants by watering them. You grow plants by fertilizing them. How do you grow a crop? You do the same thing. If you don't feed it, it doesn't grow. Faith is the same way. We must feed our faith. And as you take steps of faith along the way, guess what happens? Your faith grows. Your faith grows sprouts out of the ground. You begin to take all these experiences. A man or woman of faith isn't a one-time occurrence. It's all the daily decisions and steps that you make along the way that build into your life, and then you build a strong faith because you're actively stepping out. Satan's lies are the basis for our fear. Behind every irrational fear is a lie that must be identified. You and I are heavenly influenced by fear. Some of you believe in a bunch of lies even today. That my marriage can never get better. That, 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 this, that, that, that this job could never improve. That I could never have a better relationship with him or her. That I could never do that. That, that never, never, never. And so you believe a lie instead of stepping out in faith and watching God provide for you. You also have a fear of failure. Here's another classic fear for men. It goes like this. I won't join in on that because if I do that, I have a fear of failure and I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm not in control and where I might look anemic or weak. And you know what we do? Instead of stepping out and walking in faith and saying, God, this is where I'm at, we retreat and pull away and don't sign up and don't join because we have a fear that we will fail. Instead of stepping through and thinking, man, somehow this is going to be good for me. I'm going to grow my faith by stepping out. Men tend to retreat from venues and opportunities that, don't, that make them look less than other men. It's a great, great fear that you and I struggle with the majority of our lives. So what was the response? What was Moses' response to this fear? Look what he says. First he says this. You shall know that God is with you. Now, look what he does next. This is, I believe, one of his greatest leadership moves with Joshua. Look in chapter 31 and verse 7. Then Moses summoned whom? Whom did he summon? Joshua. And he said to him, in the what of all Israel? In the presence of all Israel. So picture this. Moses just spoke to the people. He will, he will, he will, he will, he will, he will, you shall, he will, he will, he will. And then he looks, he summons Josh. He Joshua, come here. Come here, Josh. Josh, come over here. And so he begins to speak to Joshua. He's handing down the baton of leadership in front of all the people. He wants them to see, here's your leader. And in front of all the people, look what he says to Joshua. Be strong. And courageous, for you must go. He didn't say go. In other words, you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them. And look what he says again. And you what? Must. Says it twice. You must go and you must divide it among them as your inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you. And here, here, look at the bookend. He will be with you. Look at the next phrase. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So he looks at Joshua and he says this. Hey, opens it up. He will, he will, he will, he will, he will. He'll provide, he'll be with you. Then he says, you must, you must, you must. You must. And after the you must takes place, guess what? He will. He will. He will. He will. It's the same for us. You know, whatever that thing is, whatever that wall is, whatever that thing you know you need to do, and there's that wall of fear that's right there. Even from this story, we must step through it. We must go. We must. And when we bust through on the other side of that, we realize, hey, God was with me. And your faith grows through that. 
If you don't think that's a serious concern for us, let me ask you a question. What were the first words out of the angel's mouth at Jesus' resurrection? When Jesus rose from the grave in Matthew 28, 5, the very first words out of the angel's mouth were, do not be afraid, do not fear. What were Jesus' first what was Jesus' first spoken resurrected words to, to the women? What were his first spoken? He could have said anything. You know his first word were? Greetings. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. The resurrected Jesus, the very first words that he spoke were, do not fear, do not be afraid. He could have said anything, but he knows we're prone to fear. Gobs of scripture are recorded where Jesus constantly reminds us, do not be afraid. I mean, even Old Testament, Isaiah 41.10, I am with you, I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you. The difference between a person paralyzed with fear or who is not paralyzed with fear is whether or not they believe that God is with them. Really, it's that simple. I know it, it is. It's not a formula. It's not an argument. It's like, we can't argue. God's with you. God isn't with you. God is with me. God isn't with me. It's another recognition of God is with me. So wherever I go, he is with me. Be bold, be courageous. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be discouraged. Do not be terrified because God is with you. So you never walk alone in this life of Christianity without Jesus. Picture battle-weary Moses here standing and giving his last sermon, reminding his people in Joshua to be strong and courageous. You see every detail of your life. And for some, this has been a really, really, really hard week. Every encounter, every death, every test that you face today, everything that happens outside of these doors, even today and tonight and tomorrow, every single thing that's going to happen in your day, here, let me tell you what happened. It's already passed through the hands of a sovereign, all-powerful God before the foundation of the world. (laughs) Now, seriously, If you can wrap your mind around that, that everything that we encounter, everything that we walk through, it's already went through the hands of God. It tells us in Colossians that he holds the world, the same hands that holds the worlds together. Every single detail of your life before you ever face it has already went through the hands of a sovereign God who promises never to leave you. He promises to to be with you, and he makes a decision whether or not you'll have to face it. So everything that you face, everything that you encounter, God in authority before you even breathe the breath, before you were ever born, he determined whether or not he would allow that to happen to you. So if God thought you could not handle it, and God thought that this wasn't best for you, guess what? It would have never allowed you to walk through it. Man, that is powerful. So that means this, like, (laughs) I don't know how, God, but somehow before the foundation of the world, you knew on this day that I had to face her. (laughs) God, were you sure? Did you know that, did you know that he is who he is? God, did you know that this Uncertain news that I just got from the doctor. God, did you know that somehow that I would be facing this? God, did you know that somehow that I could live on with the loss of this? God, did you know that, that, that I could move on after I just got released this Friday and that this Monday, I don't know? God, you're sure? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. See, when we live our lives recognizing who God is, and everything that we'll ever walk through is already passed through his hands, it changes the way we live our lives. I love what 1 John 4.18 says. It says, perfect love casts out fear, drives out fear. What do I mean by that? Well, perfect love is, is the mother at the swimming pool in a busy crowd with her two infant children. She's in conversation with one of her girlfriends and little sis gets away and, and she hears this scream to her left and she sees her little one-year-old has jumped into the deep end of the pool. Mom, who can't swim, not a good swimmer, 
doesn't let that fear stop her because she loves her child in a perfect way. And she dives into the water, overcoming that fear, goes down to the bottom and pulls out this baby. Why? Why did she do that? Because perfect love casts out fear. It, it, it's the dad that, that has a son or daughter that's addicted to drugs. And, and, and he gets word that the son or daughter's in a crack house. And, and he's been praying for her and trying to, to reach her. And, 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 and he gets word, he gets a call that your daughter, your son's in the crack house. And, and in this crack house are, are these dealers that are loaded with all kinds of, of handguns and, 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 and AKs. And, 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 it, and it's, it's a scary place. It's the dad that busts through the door, goes in the midst of this this dangerous place, grabs his daughter and says, no, honey, no, I won't allow this to happen. Ushers her out, walks through the drug dealers and gets on the other side. He casts out fear because he has perfect love for that daughter. It's the soldier that stands in enemy's way, fighting for freedom for his country, his God, standing and fighting to the bitter end, even though he's outnumbered, even though it's a hundred to one, even though his ammo is running out, even though it's scary and he could lose his life, it's a soldier that takes a bullet because he loves in a perfect way and he casts out fear. Let me tell you something. There's no one who will ever love you stronger in a more perfect way than God himself. No one. And if you wonder if your God will rescue you, or if your God has a plan for you, or if your God will intercede for you, let me tell you, the answer to that is yes, because God loves in a perfect way his children. You see, perfect love, know what it does? It casts out fear. Sorry. Are you okay? Every opportunity to be afraid is an opportunity to trust Jesus. I really believe that's what Moses was trying to say here. He summoned Joshua and he said, Man to man, you got what it takes. I believe in you. Now listen, Israelites, you need to believe in him too. And when there's those moments you wonder, guess who's going in first? And why is he going in first? Because he knows that God is with him. He wants them to know that nothing can touch you except what God permits to happen. When I was in seminary, we had to read about a missionary, and I chose Hudson Taylor. I read 10 books about Hudson Taylor, and we had to do a report on Hudson Taylor. He was in the early pioneers of our missionaries, and he founded the China Inland Mission over 100 years ago. And during the terrible days of the Boxer Rebellion, when missionaries were being killed and captured, he went through such an agony of the soul as he watched siblings and, and friends and colleagues and Christ followers being killed that he couldn't even pray. Like, he was so broken and mourning about it that when he went to pray, he didn't even have the words. He, he, the books tell us that he couldn't even pray. He was like, and, and we know from Scripture that when those moments when we can't pray that the Holy Spirit utters and moans on our behalf. He was so broken in the depths of mourning and grief that he couldn't pray. And so he began to write in his journal, and he summarized his spiritual condition this way. I can't read, I can't think, I can't pray, but I can trust. You see, there's those times when we can't think and we can't pray and We don't know what's going to happen, but we can trust and we can blindly walk through it because God promises to be with us. And the only way you'll ever grow your faith is by feeding it. You see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
There will be times for you and me, and there have been for me, where I am so overwhelmed by this moment. And we know there's times. Scripture tells us in those times where we're overwhelmed, and I believe they happen in our lives, it's because those are the moments where we turn to God. Paul said, I was overwhelmed even to the point of death. And you've heard me say this before. Yes, God allows things to come into your life that you can't handle on your own so that you turn to God. There will be those times when you can't pray. There will be those moments when you you can't think. But we can still trust. That's why Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And so if I were to paraphrase this scenario, if I would say, this is a Jim Brown paraphrase, this would be Moses talking to Joshua. You know what he would say? You got what it takes. And the thing that you have to make what you got what it takes is called God. And guess what, Joshua? Let me tell you something. Even when they doubt, even when they tell you this isn't a good idea, but you know that you know. Even though they're, they're wondering how they're going to get through. And even though that doubt surfaces, let me tell you, God is with you. So Josh, listen to me. Bring it, boy. Bring it. That's what he's saying to him. And that's what he's saying to us. Just bring it. Just bring it. Just bring it. Because I want you to know that I am with you. Fear places your faith in the what if camp? It's like, fear goes like, well, if I do that, what, what if this happens? And what if she says that? And what if he does that? And what if it doesn't turn out like I want it to? What if, what if? And, and so if you spend all your life with conditional clauses of what if, then you're letting fear. You see, sometimes we can't see. Faith says, I, I can't see what it's going to look like, but I believe this is where God's sending me. And, and faith says, step out. And it doesn't focus on the what ifs. You know what faith focuses on? God is. God is with me. 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 Here we go. I wish we could get a visual picture of Hebrews 7.25 that says this. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So here's how I would sum that up. If Jesus is praying for us, who could ever stop us? If Jesus is praying for you, who could ever stop you? If Jesus is praying for me, who could ever stop me? Who could ever stop me when I know Jesus is perfect in every way? He's God. He's praying to God. He's praying on our behalf to the God, from God to God. Then who could ever stop me if Jesus is praying for me? The Bible tells us this, that he is interceding daily for you. Let me, let me just try to give you what that might look like. Imagine for a second, this room to my left over here, Imagine if you were able to just crack that door open and that was like the throne room of heaven. Imagine if you could walk over there and you could hear this. this. So I walked over there and I heard Jesus saying, Father God, I pray that you would protect Jim and Joshua and Hannah and Isaiah. And I pray you would strengthen his body and I pray you give him courage, boldness. Pray when that sickness is upon him, God, that you would heal him. God, I pray for the future of his children. What if you could begin to hear him saying your name and your kid's name and Anne and and your wife's name? What if you could hear the God of the universe articulating prayers on your behalf? How would that change the way you live? (laughs) I could bust through any wall. I could take that dog from hell and throw him out of the backyard. Here's the truth. He does do that. And right now, he's lifting your name, your situation, your boy who's run away from God, your son who's, who's, who, who has won, run away from Jesus, that marriage relationship that's on the rocks. You got the God of the universe, Jesus saying to God the Father, please, Father, God, reconcile them. Please, Father, God, give peace to them after getting that report. Please, Father God, be with the Reed family. Please, Father God, 
be with the McBrides. Please, Father God, be with them. You see, when you get a picture of that, oh, you can live boldly and courageously because God is with you. Do you live that way? Do you feel that way in school tomorrow morning? And you walk down the hallway and, and you know you want to share your faith with that person by fear. But what if, God? What, what if? Or do you walk boldly and say, hey, hey, Bob, you know, I, I just got to tell you something. We've been to school for like 10 years together, and I've never told you this, but you know I'm a little different than you, and you know that I go to church, and, and God's been pressing this on my heart for 10 years to say this to you, and today I'm doing it. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. I want you to know that, and I love you too much to allow you to spend your eternity far away from God in hell. See, the only way you can do that is knowing that God is with me. But is God always with us? Are there things that separate us from God? You bet. Do you realize that Psalm 138.6 says this? He looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty or prideful, he sees from afar. God is not with the proud. Let me speak to men in this room. Pride is probably one of our greatest weaknesses. And as you lead your home, if you're allowing pride to keep you from doing what God wants you to do, what you're doing is saying this, God, I want you to distance yourself from me because that sin causes separation until we humble ourselves and say, God, I'm not going to do this myself. I need you. Pride, the Bible says, pushes God away. And he sees us from afar. And so that's why when we go to prayer, oh, Lord, would you do this for my daughter? Oh, Lord, this job. Oh, Lord, this, 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 this financial concern. Oh, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. You know what happens? You have distanced yourself from God because you haven't dealt with the sin in your life. James 4.4 4 says it this way. Friendships with the world means enmity against God. Whoever chooses to be a friend with the world becomes an enemy. God, teens, are you running in the right crowds? Bad company corrupts good character. When you're away from mom and dad, what are you saying? What are you toiling in? What are you doing? When we walk and become friends with the world, in other words, we not only know them, but we pick up their habits. Now, we need to infiltrate and not be strangers. We need to take the love of Christ. But if you're finding yourself in relationships with other teenagers that's causing you to do things that you wouldn't do without them, then what you've done, you've allowed the world to infiltrate. And the Bible says that God will distance himself from you. Isaiah 1.5 says it this way, he is not with the rebellious. You turn your back on God, and you pray, oh, Lord, please come through, and you, you, please, 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 you have pushed the God away from you. Psalm 66, verse 18 says this, if I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. What's that mean? It means if you have this secret sin, and it's like you cherish it, like, like you, you're double-minded, James talks about. Oh, God, I love you, but God, I love this. Oh, God, please do this, but God, I want to hold on to that. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. It says if you cherish sin, then it says, look what it says. It says, the Lord would not have listened. And so when you go to pray, what you've done, you place ceiling of sin between you and God, and you will walk in fear. Faith is the act of my will to give my burdens to God. It's like a muscle. As you exercise it, faith gets stronger. 
Since faith trumps fear, we must remember these three things this week. Faith focuses on God. Fear focuses on our problems. I don't know what your thing is. But faith focuses on God instead of the issue that causes you to tremble. The report that you've got. Whatever it is, that thing, that unknown thing. Whatever it is, when you focus on that, you will be controlled by fear. And you've heard me say it before. You need to take God and put him between you and that thing. And that way you hand it off to God and say, now God... You got a big problem. Faith trusts in God's timing. Fear trusts in our own. But God, I need this to happen now. But God, tomorrow. But God, how come? But God, how come? God, now's the day. Faith trusts in God's timing. No, no, I'm going to remain faithful, God, even if you don't heal me. God, I'm going to remain faithful even if you don't come through tomorrow. God, I'm going to remain faithful if I remain unemployed for another six weeks. God, I'm going to remain faithful in your timing. God, well, I know this is what I want, but faith says I'm trusting in your timing and fear trust in your own. Faith grows by feeding it. Fear grows by starving it. Oh, God, there was a time that my faith, I took these steps of faith. But it's been a long time. I'll just keep banking on that. No, you won't. It'll grow dormant. Faith grows by taking steps. Faith needs to be regular steps of action. I must do it, like Moses said, because he will come through. Faith grows by a daily relationship with steps of faith. You can't bank on 20 years ago when you stepped out. If you're sitting on the sidelines now and you're wondering, how come God seems so distant? Why is fear enveloping me? I would bet primarily either sin or you haven't made a faith step in months or weeks. It grows. Your faith grows. The bank of faith grows by exercising it. Let me ask you a question in closing. What is that thing in your life right now that just scares the daylights out of you? Who is that conversation you need to have with this week? What is that sin that's causing God to view you from a distance? Where is that step of faith where you must you know you must. It's time to must some energy and faith and do it. Oh, Lord. I just picture this Moses at the end of his life, like he's gasping for his last breath, seeing this energetic and godly man, Joshua, standing there and saying, be bold, be courageous. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be terrified or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, please, God, may that be our mantra this week, next week, and for the rest of our lives. May we never let fear cripple us. Because, God, you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen.